0: A 75 year old patient comes into your heme on clinic he has painless hematuria now this is not PNH like we discussed last time um, but an urgent cystoscopy was done and they found on that that this person has um, invasive urethelial cancer of his bladder what treatment options are available to him
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode at the RICU Podcast, where we're keeping you up to date on all the latest research in clinical medicine. This week's article comes from the field of oncology. Uh, The article is titled Infortumab Vidotin in Previously Treated Advanced Urothelial Carcinoma, printed in the New England Journal of Medicine on March 25th, 2021. Today's hosts are Jack, Daniel, and myself, Gabe. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Welcome back, everyone. So, uh, to get started with this article, we're talking about urothelial cancer. So, bladder cancer, we know, is subdivided into two histological types. There's urothelial, or transitional, cell carcinoma, and there's also, um, we know, squamous cell carcinoma. In the United States, urothelial uh, cell carcinoma of the bladder is the most common type of bladder cancer. It may also be located in the renal pelvis, the ureter, or the urethra, but overall we're talking about this urothelial cancer of the bladder. Um, your typical patient is someone who's 40 years old, usually they're elderly, they're complaining of painless hematuria, they're gonna have other urinary um, symptoms like nocturia, dysuria, urinary urgency. They may, may have one of those or more than those and the, golden, the gold standard for diagnosis here is going to be cystoscopy. And you're also going to want to do a urine cytology. There are three, class, three classifications of this cancer. There is um, the non-muscle invasive, which typical treatment is just a transurethral resection of the bladder tumor. You're just removing the tumor. Um, then there's muscle invasive uh, carcinoma, which you're going to want to do a radical cystectomy. And if the patient doesn't want that radical cystectomy where you're removing the bladder, uh, you could do a chemo-radiation combination. Lastly, you have uh, metastatic disease. And here, the treatment for the past, I think since the 1980s, has been a cisplatin-based chemotherapy um, using something like gemcitabine gemcitab- with cisplatin, or MVAC, which is methotrexate, vinblastin, doxorubicin, and cisplatin. Uh, So, what we want to remember here is that the treatment for a while now has been a cisplatin-based chemotherapy. The problem with that is, is that urothelial carcinoma is highly um, resistant to chemotherapy. So there's a lot of recurrence here. So what scientists have then developed was immunotherapy using PD-1 and pdl one inhibitors as either a frontline uh, treatment, but more likely a second line or maintenance therapy, even with the immunotherapy add-on, the median overall survival for patients with urothelial carcinoma is only about 10 to 14 months, which is really, uh, poor prognostics. So, Daniel, can you uh, describe for us the mechanism of action for this immunotherapy and then describe for us the novel therapy that this article is exploring?
0: Sure. Okay. So, as Gabe said before, the standard of care for advanced urethelial carcinoma includes a platinum-based chemotherapy and a programmed cell death protein 1, which is PD-1 or pdl one which is the ligand 1 inhibitor. So basically in short what that means is that every cell in your body has um, a PDL1 which normally binds to the T the T cells PD1 and then it knows that it's a, that it's a cell coming from within the own its own body and therefore it does not attack it but if it's missing any one of those two things it's a red flag that this cell is a foreign cell. So if the P, if the PD1 on the T cell doesn't see a PDL one, it de- it destroys it. So a lot of cancers um, overexpress PDL one, and that's how they're able to evade the immune the immune response of the body. So what this drug does is that it blocks the PDL one or the PD one on the T cell or on the self cell, um, on the cancer cell. I'm sorry, and it blocks one of those things. So now when the T cell goes by it, it'll destroy it. So now there's this new novel drug called N4Tumab Vidotin, which is basically a antibody um, that binds to the Nectin-4, which is a cell adhesion molecule that is expressed majoritively. That's probably not a real word. It's mainly expressed on urophilial <laughs> carcinoma. That's uh, what it's specific for. So, Enfortumab-vidotin is an antibody drug conjugate, which is directed against the Nectin-4 that we just talked about. And together, that whole complex forms on the outside of the cell, and it gets endocytosed within the cell. And then once it's there, it releases something called monomethyl e uh, or MMAE which results in cell cycle arrest and apoptosis because it inhibits the microtubule formation and cell growth. So that's how this new drug works. Uh, Jack, could you please tell us um, some of the methods that were used? Sure.
2: So this is a global phase 3 trial of this combo drug, like you said, the Enfortumab and the Vidotin. and it is trying to treat patients with locally advanced or metastatic urothelial carcinoma and who had previously received the platinum-containing chemotherapy or had disease progression during or after treatment with a PD-1 or PD-L1 inhibitor. So patients were randomly assigned in a one-to-one ratio to receive infortumab vedotin or an investigator-chosen chemotherapy like doxitaxel, paclitaxel, and the other chemo drugs. And the primary endpoint that they're trying to figure out was the overall survival. So, what were some of the results? So, it's a total of six hundred and eight patients that underwent the randomization. Three hundred and one were in the new uh, medication group, and three hundred and seven received the chemotherapy. As of July fifteenth, twenty twenty, a total of three hundred and one deaths occurred in the um, uh, had occurred in total. 134 in the Infortumab-Vidotin group, and 167 in the chemotherapy group. This shows that it was 30% lower with the Infortumab-Vidotin than with the chemotherapy. Secondly, overall survival was longer in the Infortumab-Vidotin group than in the chemotherapy group, uh, with 12.88 versus 8.97 months, with a p-value of 0.001. Lastly, progression-free survival was also longer in the infortumab v dotin group than in the chemotherapy group of 5.55 versus 3.71 months with a P of less than 0.001. That is a 38% lower risk of progression or death. So, so far in all three of those measurements, the newer drug had better uh, results. Now, the incidence of treatment-related adverse events was similar in the two groups, 93.9 versus 91.8. And the incidence of events of a grade 3 or higher was also similar, 51.4 versus 49.8. Now, although skin reactions, uh, possibly due to Nectin-4 also being found in the skin as well, peripheral neuropathy and hyperglycemia were more common in the Infortumab-Vidotin group. These events were commonly mild to moderate in severity, and they often went away on their own throughout the trial. So it does not look like it has... It, has, it obviously has um, some adverse effects, but when compared to the current treatment of chemotherapy, uh, it's pretty equal. So it, it's, uh, shows, it's shown to have uh, less deaths, longer um, survival rates in months, and also uh, longer progression-free. Uh, results
0: so um so basically in conclusion um let me see if i got this all right in vedotin significantly prolonged survival as compared with the standard which is just chemotherapy um of locally or advanced metastatic urothelial, urothelial carcinoma um with receiving platinum-based treatment and a PD-1 or P D L one inhibitor.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> so okay. it, yeah. It is also interesting to point out that uh, there is phase two trials going on for infortumab-vidotin in combination with a PD-1 as a first-line therapy. So we don't have to really wait for PD-1 to fail and then giving the infortumab. Uh, they're looking to do it a combo drug and this is already in phase two treatment and uh, phase two trials and so it's actually been shown to have a very high response rate and duration of response in the phase two trial. So this is ongoing. Well, wow. so uh, Gabe, can we just have an attending tip? Oh,
1: yes. So let's say you're in oncology clinic and your attending starts discussing maybe a patient that he that he or she is treating, uh, and it's a, urothelial, a case of urothelial cancer. And the attending asks you, so, what what do you think about uh, the treatment options for this the the for this cancer? So your answer is going to start off with the treatments that have been in place for the past, I would say, about forty years now. So you're going to start off by saying, well, first line for advanced uh, metastatic disease, and I think it it actually also is. For a localized disease is a cisplatin based chemotherapy so when you're thinking about urothelial carcinoma you're thinking about a cisplatin based chemotherapy uh, one of the options is a gemcitabine cisplatin combination or an mvac combination then you're going to say unfortunately um, urothelial cancer becomes highly resistant to chemotherapy so a second line is going to be immunotherapy using a pd1 or pdl1 inhibitor uh, and unfortunately, even with that second line, there is such a poor prognosis for these patients that current research is exploring the use of uh, monoclonal antibody um, combined with uh, vidotin, which is a poison for, the tu- for microtubules in the tumor that bind to the Nectin-4 uh, cam that then get endocytosed into the tumor and eventually break up the microtubules, halting Proliferation of the tumor. Uh, Daniel, is that a, is that an okay characterization of what uh, this drug does? Um, I think okay would be the right word. Okay, and just to just to reiterate, and fortumab vidotin. And fortumab is the monoclonal antibody. Vidotin is the poison that's combined to the fortumab. Um, if an antidote is something used against poison then the dope is the poison
0: so we wow, doped him Wow! i truly love your hands <laughs> Gabe. okay uh what's your pondering question daniel so the pondering question of today. and of course i'm sorry daniel
1: your attending will undoubtedly be impressed with your knowledge of urothelial cancer its prognosis and its treatment options
0: well wow. thank you thank you Gabe. all because you listen to the ricky podcast so the question to ponder is as follows You are cold to a floor, and there's a patient there who you know has an LED occlusion. So he goes into cardiac arrest, and on the monitor, he has V-fib. So the very first thing we do is CPR, and then we shock them. But shouldn't we not shock them until the clot is cleared? Because basically what you're doing is that you're going to restart the heart. If it does start, then it's going to try to beat, which uses a lot of oxygen. And by doing that, you're increasing the demand on the heart and possibly causing more of the myocytes to die off. In theory, you're right, but if you don't shock the heart, you're going to have a dead heart. So what you do is you go to the cath lab while doing CPR, and then after you remove the clot, you could shock it then. What if
2: you find a person on the street and they're in in, uh, V fib so would you say keep doing CPR all the way to the hospital till they get to the lab. To me,
0: that's what it would seem like, but obviously I'm wrong. So the question to ponder is, why am I wrong?
2: You are always wrong. <laughs> all right, question to ponder. Let us uh, know your answers.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for listening to The RICU. And again, if you have any questions, comments, uh, please send us a message at team at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter, and please follow us and tell all your friends about us so you can hear the great attending tips from Gabriel I.S.S.